Witty Nation, uh, before we get started with this week's show, uh, just wanted to touch on the tragic events that have occurred over the past two weeks, uh, one right in our home here in Buffalo, and what have somewhat become the norm in this country. Um, I don't know, Tony, how much more we can say that hasn't already been said. I'm sure you have thoughts as a, as a person in the education field, but all I have to say is it's not okay. The world we live in is not okay. The evil that exists is not okay. It's not okay that innocent lives, mothers, fathers, and now children are taken from friends and family. It's not okay that I have to ask my kid's kindergarten teacher and my kid's daycare counselor what their active shooter protocols are. It's not okay. In this country, this year alone, 288 school shootings have occurred. The next closest is Mexico with eight, 280 less than the United States. We're the only one that has more than eight, only one in double digits, only one in triple digits. It's not okay. Something needs to change. And there's, of course, not much we can do from this platform. We're just a podcast. We're just two guys talking about it. But maybe us talking about it triggers someone to look into the issues a little more, think about the issues a little differently. Tony, I don't know what else to say. We, we mourn, we give our thoughts and sympathies to those friends and family that have lost loved ones during this time. Um, Tony, I don't know much more to say. Um, I'll let you go ahead. <laughs> What's the most not okay outside of the acts themselves is the acceptance of it as a norm. And the defense of the normalcy, right. so to speak, that, that we all too often face because of those in power trying to stay in power or the warped sense of those who have fallen for their tricks. Uh, right. And, you know, as, you know, Buffalo happened and that stays close to us because it is our home, but to like you said, as someone in the education field and myself, you know, to us, I, th I think every teacher sees every classroom as an extension of another sense of our home. And every attack like that is is an attack on the homeness that we that we all have and that we all try to create in our classroom. So, I mean, uh, as we face this at what it's it's just what you have to ask yourself like at what point are we going to let the the camel's back break under the straws that keep getting piled on because to me as a teacher to me as a buffalonian the camel's not carrying the weight i'm carrying the weight we are carrying the weight many right. of our listeners carry the weight you carry the weight matt so i think that we're just like the back is broken let's make it finally happen you know yeah change needs to happen so mm -hmm. you know like we like we said there's not much we as podcasters can say in our platform but maybe somebody listening to this takes what we say and has a different thought than what they had before um but i just wanted to and we wanted to make a statement before we start uh this week's show so uh before we get into our intro and everything we will do a uh, moment of silence for those we have lost recently and those who continue to mourn
Moshon is a fresh of breath there. He just loves chain restaurants. Matter of fact, he ate at Applebee's 12 times during the bye week. I love eating it. Most of you guys. That really is still swollen, isn't it? It's still swollen. It kind of looks like a football, actually. Thank you for that. Stitching, you got it. Thank you. Hey, D, I like donuts, baby. Let's go. Uh, stay focused. Um, work hard in school. You might not like school, but make sure you're working hard at school. It feels a bomb. It feels a bomb. It's your boy DM3, and you're listening to the Witty Not Funny Sports Podcast on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. Witty Nation, welcome everyone to episode 93 of the Witty Not Funny Sports Podcast, the number one self-rated podcast about sports, entertainment, and everything in between, and part of the Built-In Buffalo Podcast Network. Go follow us at Witty Sports 716 on Twitter, on Instagram, and follow everything Built-In Buffalo is giving you every single day on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. It's a takeover at Built-In Buffalo underscore. We are your host, of course, I'm Macro. He is Tony Ambrose. Tony, what is going on? Man, I've been watching a lot of Stranger Things lately. I was going to say, is that the Stranger Things theme? <laughs> I'm glad you picked it up because I've been watching a lot ever since it dropped. How is it? Uh, it's pretty good. Okay. I'll, I'll say this. They probably should not have released it. <laughs> But, Why? I mean, I, I thought maybe you knew because you had heard, but there's a the open there's like a warning on the opening scene okay. that it could be traumatic, it, yeah. that it could be traumatic due to recent events. And it is. I'm like, you know, if they canceled the regents, this probably should not have gone through. You could have delayed this. Probably. And uh yeah, it warrants it warrants a warning. Um uh, other the than trailer, that, the trailer looked great. So I'm excited yeah, to other, start. Other that so far uh it's been pretty good i mean in true stranger things quality i have lost control of the binge like i like i i don't want to wait you know <laughs> i'm in level four addiction here in the sense that you know i'm shirking real responsibilities to choose another episode instead who's the bills 11 <laughs> we've had some interesting ones over the, oh, interesting. the organization's history we had cole beasley most recently Zay Jones, Percy Harvin, TJ Graham, Roscoe Parrish, Drew Bledsoe. We have an 11. Oh, also, today is Percy Harvin's birthday. Wow, okay. Well, maybe he gets the nod. Who would be our 11? Oh, okay. 11, so 11 on Stranger Things is the super is the, the hero figure with the superpowers. Who would play that role for the Bills organizational history of number okay, 11? So I'm, I basically, I have to choose someone who wore 11. You have to, yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm also choosing who has potential training towards superpowers and grew right. up under uh, and grew up under a government program who is exactly. that of those who four eleven. uh well i feel like uh, my natural reaction is the current number 11 in the sense that he has a smile uh, that can only be created by nuclear exposure because it's so bright <laughs> who is the current 11 barkley roster numbers change so much I know, and it's very confusing because it's Barkley. It's very confusing. We're, we're oh, it's, it's it's a, we already we already knew him as a number as a as a different number. Right, I know. Now he's eleven. Okay, yeah. well, the returner, I'll, I'll you, that you know, the three returners should really have to wear their original numbers that we knew them by. Right, I, I feel like that should be a given. This is some bullshit. Yeah. 
Taron Johnson changing numbers this year is going to just boggle my <laughs> Ooh, yeah. mind for about That's the first six one. weeks. <laughs> you know who I struggle with the most? I cannot remember for my life, and it's come up so many times for me, that OJ Howard is number eight. Oh, yeah, that's I've like I've seen number eight so many times. I'm like, who the fuck is number eight? What is this? <laughs> I cannot keep these assholes straight. I'm like, Taryn, I'm like, Taryn Johnson number seven is four. Yeah, no, or no, Jaquan Johnson. Jaquan Johnson is number four. Yeah, Jaquan Johnson is four. Taryn Johnson is seven. So Isaac, Isaiah McKenzie is oh, six, gosh. right? Yeah, he's six. Yeah, I think he's Isaiah McKenzie enough. six now. I think he's active enough and like six is weird enough that I'll pick up on that quickly enough. Okay. But I still like those, those defensive backs are going to be a, an right. issue. <laughs> that's, yeah, like, that's, that's not going to look normal. <laughs> that is <laughs> no. not going to look normal. But I think it still looks more normal than linebackers wearing single digits, which I am not in favor of. Oh, see, I'm more in favor of that because I feel like a lot of college linebackers <laughs> have single digits. That, that, that looks more normal to me than Taron Johnson going to seven. I, why, why are we doing this? Like, cornerbacks, DBs are always in the 20s. Linebackers always in the 50s. Like, keep it or like 40s, that, please. Uh-huh. Or 40s. Yeah. There's a like, lot of, it's also throwing me out because there are a lot of linebackers on this team in the 40s currently. Right. And, and that is, that's playing with fire too. Yeah. Right. And like, and like Bernard is number 43. That's a tough one. Shout out Brian Scott. Yes. Exactly. That's what I mean. I think if we were going to go, if my choice for an 11, like I had to go Drew Bledsoe, the wine man himself, mm. the wine vineyard <laughs> man himself. Just seemed like he was, when we talk about like, yeah, superhero, like he was, when he was brought onto the Bills, he was supposed to be the superhero. He was supposed to get and us over the hump. He was supposed to be the one was. to get us to the playoffs. For, yes. <laughs> so I, I would have to go with with him, Other, uh, unless you want to go with Rob Johnson's surfing superpowers. But well, I was going to say you brought up you bring up an even more interesting conversation that I feel like the scene is set for in in a, currently or in the future, and that's uh, like retroactive nicknames, nicknames oh. that what would they have if they were still around, but based on things that happen after the fact, like you said, the wine man. Like, what have uh, they done is, after their is, career? Yeah, like what is what is winemaking? There's like an allergy to it. Is it like otanology um, or something like that? I don't know. Is it wine allergy? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like like the winologist himself, Drew <laughs> Bledsoe. I, I remember Brian Scott was on an episode of Shark Tank. He was selling like um Oh yeah, I remember this. Like insoles for shoes. <laughs> so he could have a fun post-career nickname. <laughs> right. Yes. I think that, that's a good we should do I that mean, for our next episode draft. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Made up nicknames. It's Owenology. Owenology. The Owenology. O-E-N-O-logy. That's that's gonna be the a t-shirt in about yeah. two weeks for us. Yeah. The Owenology. <laughs> Drew the Owenologist fled so. <laughs> oh, that is good. Tony, we got Buffalo Bills OTAs started <laughs> up this week. So we got a lot to talk about. Are you ready to get into it here? Let's do it. Does that mean we're about to hear one Mr. Marv Levy? The oh, author. It is. <laughs> author yes we are about to hear the author drop yeah uh not yeah, really a nickname. Uh... he is an author <laughs> it could be a nickname yeah, he's right. done his post career we, we should look this up we're gonna have to do a lot of research in terms of what random players and what they're doing these days we'll find them we'll find them we always do yeah we um, always just like we do. just like we found kendall gaskins <laughs> we'll find them uh tony let's let marv take it away marv Take it away. We'll be back after the break. Oh, go. Bills fight, Bills go. Come on, let's win for Buffalo. And we are back. Tony, 
Bills OTAs start the gang. Well, most of the gang is back together. Uh, some notable absences, of course, Jordan Poyer, and we've talked about that in past episodes, but that that uh, saga continues. And are we getting to a point? Let's just kick it off right there. Are we getting to a point where are we in Jordan Poyer holdout warning territory here? What do you think? I think no. I okay. I'm not going to get worried, I don't think, until veterans report to training camp. And he doesn't because I, I think not coming to voluntary OTAs is one thing, but I think that to truly not to not come to training camp, to truly say, I'm willing to sort of, I'm willing to hold the team back. I'm willing to stunt the growth of the team because of this. That's a, that's a real next level statement. Well, next level slight of, yes, of the process. Next, yes. Yes. Oh, very well put. Yes. That is truly that. And, and it's because I, Without knowing Jordan Poirier as a person very well outside of outside of Twitter and hearsay from his wife, uh, I did not watch <laughs> right. the documentary. I I'm we did. I'm choosing we, to we believe, didn't get the invite. <laughs> yeah, we didn't get the invite. I'm choosing to believe that he wouldn't do that. If he would, then fuck him. But <laughs> but I I'm thinking that he wouldn't. So I'm not that worried, and I'm and I'm kind of thinking that you know by the time. A crisp September evening in LA rolls around. We will have already forgotten this happens. I, I want to believe you're right, and I, I think they do get something done. And uh, you you mentioned the keyword here, voluntary. Of course, these are voluntary OTAs. You want to see the team together and bonding and running plays together, and all the all that goes along with it from the earliest point on. But you know, these are voluntary, and there's. Poyer's not the only one missing. There's there's a handful of other guys as well. But it see it seems like Sean McDermott is once again perturbed at something <laughs> going on off the football field. Last year was Cole Beasley's Twitter account. This year it's Jordan Poyer's contract situation. He lets his emotions seep through the hard exterior when these things occur. So it'll be interesting to see how the Poyer saga plays out here as we move into the summer. And they return to Fisher for training camp and mandatory training camp, that is. But let's talk about the players that are there. Tony, I think we have a punting competition on our hands. We'll start right off the bat with the big guns here. We're dropping spice like Emerald. (laughs) Matt Areza, there's conflicting evidence as to who has the upper hand early on in terms of camaraderie within the special teams group during the week after the Buffalo shooting, the, the Bill Sabres bandits players all went down and helped out with community services and things like that, which was a, a great gesture and great showing of unity and everything. But picture that came up on Twitter from that Matt Areza, Reed Ferguson and Tyler Bass hanging out together at that event. No Matt hack to be found, Matt Hawk to be found. But then three days later, who's on the golf course together? Tyler Bass, Reed Ferguson, and Matt Hawk. No arrays mm. to be found. Mm. Interesting dynamics we have going on here. <laughs> and mm. this is not even talking about their punting prowess or their holding prowess, which Matt, if you're listening, which we know he is, lean into the hold God. Moniker, we've given it to you. You need to embrace it. We might have another uh, Puntapalooza on our hands this summer. Are you excited? Well, the Puntapalooza is written in in ink. Like it is happening. The question, of course, is as you said, who is the true? What is happening to the threesome? What is who's truly in the room? Who's He's on the, the outside <laughs> looking in? Yeah, who's on the outside looking in here? What is the deal? What I thought you were trying to say 
is that whatever, whatever you thought I was trying to say, you say it. <laughs> okay. Well, what I thought you were trying to say is that Manaresa is a known, uh, is like a known cook. And is he? Is that a thing? No. Well, I don't know. He's got like this Italian. <laughs> you got me name. excited for like him. two seconds. <laughs> yeah, I, I was. I thought maybe I thought you knew something I didn't, and that he's and that that's like something that we that we knew. I see. I have a picture of him here at Ilio De Paolo's restaurant on Ooh, his on Instagram okay. here. I, I was looking he's, for that. He's embracing like, the city already. You got me very like excited a, for two like seconds that another special teams player had like a hidden talent, like John Dornbos is a magician. Like John Dornbos. <laughs> yeah, right. Like Matarese is a really good cook. <laughs> Because that would immediately put him ahead of Matt Hawk in my book. Oh, interesting. So basically what you're saying is literally anything that happens that we, as soon as we learn anything about Matt Arasa as a human being, he's going to go past <laughs> Matt Hawk in your, in your mind. Especially you're literally just cook, yes. waiting. I'm waiting for that true to waiting drop. for yes. anything here. Anything to occur that makes me believe Matt Arasa can win the hearts and minds of his fellow special teams unit and his coaches. And if it's cooking, that's like the easiest way, right? What's an easy way pat easy path to a person's heart is through food right the, yeah the way to a man's heart is through his stomach just and you're no exception john feliciano stayed on this team for two years because he was a he was a wine snob with josh allen i'm, I'm fully under <laughs> that impression uh, okay um, i mean whatever it takes whatever it takes uh it'll be interesting to see how the punting competition plays out this summer but let's get on to players who uh, have a little more significance <laughs> Uh, we always like to bring out the punters, but players oh, that have a little more significance have, on the field. I have a spoiler alert for you, Matt. Uh-oh. Who's uh, your, who's one of the spoiler? punters is going to come back around in this conversation. Oh, good. I hope so. Tony, let's start off with uh, a fresh new face to the Bills organization. One Mr. Von Miller. A lot of talk about Von Miller this week. Reports from OTAs, articles about how not only Von Miller's play on the field. Deion Dawkins was quoted as saying he's just so smooth and tough to block, but you see a lot of videos out there of him. And this is what we talked about. This is the reason we were so excited for Von Miller is because yeah, maybe his production over the past couple of years has faltered or wavered a little. And, but the way he's coaching up young D lineman, and we see Gregory Rousseau quoted as saying, you know, I'm getting tips and tricks from him every single snap or what, just these little things that Von Miller can give to a young outside of himself, uh, a very young defensive edge room, if you will, that that's again, what has me most excited in the fact that Gregory Rousseau added about 15 pounds of muscle. And now he's learning things from Von Miller and he understands the NFL game a year later. Those prospects have me extremely excited. A guy like Boogie Basham, who maybe in his first year had maybe a little trouble finding his way. Is he, you know, a rush interior lineman? Is he an edge guy? It looks like he shed a couple pounds based on just, you know, the naked eye test here. But is that a guy who is taking Avon Miller's tutelage and and really is going to excel this year in AJ Epines as well? So this, this is what we get with Von Miller. And this is why I'm excited because not only can he make an impact this year, but he can make an impact with the young guys for years to come. So what are your initial impressions of Von Miller in his first kind of outing in a Bills uniform here? As advertised, to me, I'm liking it. I'm likening it a lot to when Steph Diggs showed up and it's just like all eyes on Steph Diggs because clearly he is showing up as head and shoulders above everybody else. Like he's just putting on a clinic of what everyone's aspiring to be. And it seems like Von Miller is doing that and then some in the sense of his talent and also in the sense of his leadership that he's showing. And I, I think it's long overdue to have 
another voice in the edge room, so to speak. I'm sure I'm sure defensive line is all in the same room, but another voice in there besides Jerry, who, you know, no disrespect to Jerry. I'm sure he did a ton to show them around. Right. But, you know, but are we looking to create another Jerry Hughes or are we looking to create another Von Miller? So I'm happy both, to say that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, we're looking to merge Jerry Hughes and Von Miller into some sort of super, you know, some superhero super number event. 11. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly. Superhero number 91, 91 and 96. But as someone who always had a lot of faith and belief in Boogie Basham, uh, I'm happy that him and Greg Russo are going to be getting some tutelage here of uh, someone who's been around the block, you know, in a much, much different experience than the one that Jerry Hughes had. And to be able to take that knowledge and give it to, to our young guys and AJ Epinesa. And I really like AJ Epinesa. So I, I think that for Sean McDermott, who you know we've seen time and time again, they like having the veteran voice in the locker room to help the guys grow up. Uh, who could you ask for more so than that than, than a guy like Von Miller? So I am excited. You know, you think... I'm excited about what I'm seeing in there. And and I and obviously we were going to be. So it's it's yeah, great. Right. You said you liked AJ Epinesa, and, and I do too. I, I just want to see more consistency from him this year. Do you think his roster spots in jeopardy? <laughs> the more I'm thinking about it, I'm seriously wondering if there it's a numbers game with him. Because you look at the defensive edges, you got Von Miller, you have Boogie Basham, AJ Epinesa, Shaq Lawson. Gregory Rousseau in some packages that Oliver bumps to edge. It's looking a little crowded for AJ. I mean, is his roster position or spot in jeopardy here, you think? Not, not in the least bit. Don't think so? I have no... I think it's tough because we know exactly who we're going to deal with. I mean, let's not forget, we we keep a ton of defensive linemen and we, we lost defensive linemen too. We lost Jerry. We lost Effio Bada. We lost... Right star this the spots yeah. are available zimmer and, yeah. and we got them yeah zimmer like come on i'm not in the least bit worried it's supposed to be crowded it's going to be crowded they're all pretty good we're not ditching we're not giving up like that on a second round pick certainly so i'm and and especially now in <laughs> Shout a out year where, <laughs> right and and especially now in a year when the scene is set for them to take a big jump right come on no there's, if there's they haven't no, given up on like Cody I, Ford at this point, they're not giving up on Epinesa. Matt, you're making a great point right now. <laughs> I was just curious, like, because I mean, you look up and down the roster. Obviously, this is a very good, talented roster, but there's only so many snaps to go around. So I'm just curious. Maybe maybe he's he's a, a trade piece. I don't know. Like, feels like that room is a little crowded, especially with the versatility along that line. And, and maybe they go more traditional. Maybe I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But I, I agree. I don't think it's. Roger Spots in Jeopardy. I was just curious to know your thoughts. Tony, moving on, let's talk about the franchise. J17, the chosen one, Josh Allen, mega star on the field, celebrity off the field. <laughs> I don't want to ever hear the talk of Josh Allen regression again. The guy does not show any signs of stopping, any signs of his play diminishing. It looks like him and his receivers are picking up right where they left off, not only from an execution standpoint. I've seen some excellent place to Gabe Davis read some Jameson Crowder stuff uh, with that connection, but not football related in terms of him looking out for his players and his guys at Oliver tried to throw a prank at Stefan Diggs the other day with a, with a loose water bottle cap. And Josh Allen's like, nah, I see you and came over and before <laughs> Steph, Steph took a drink, tightened that cap for him. So Josh just doesn't seem to miss a beat. He's wearing the visor again. 
Josh is great and we know he's great. So I don't want to get into the whole thing because we talk about him enough and how awesome he is. But let's talk about Gabe Davis, though, because that connection <laughs> seems to be not wavering whatsoever. It seems to be picking up right where they left off in the Kansas City game last year. And all signs point to Gabe Davis having a huge year as the number two receiver, finally getting into that role. Should we waver our expectations? Are we hyping him up too much at this point? Because it seems like ever since he had a place on this team in his first training camp. He was making plays. He took over the Duke Williams role of having a highlight or a, a viral Twitter video every single day. It was, it was Gabe Davis' time to shine. And he was implemented right from the start. He was, he's implemented into the playbook, into the offense, a lot quicker than any of us ever expected. And now in his third year, it seems to be his time to to shine. So are we overhyping him too much though? I, I think that in Gabe Davis's case, we know what we're getting. We know how he fits so? into the offense. Yeah, I do. Oh, uh, and it's and it's very good. But I say okay. that because, okay, Gabe Davis is moving up the depth chart, but uh, that's only on paper. Ever since Gabe Davis has been on the team, he's taken a lot of snaps in that position. He, the person who actually holds that position has had injuries. He's taken snaps in that position even when they were healthy anyway. Right. He started in that position for the playoff game, and we all saw what happened. I feel like we know exactly what we're getting. And I feel like the question is not how will he look in that position? The question is not what is his talent going to be like in that position? We know what's going on. But to me, the question is only, you know, what are the numbers going to be? Because sometimes we've seen that number two position, you know, like not get a lot of play, but sometimes we have seen it get a lot of play. And there's a lot of talent on this team and there's a lot of new weapons in the fold and new positions like number two tight end you know that was basically irrelevant before and now yeah yeah exactly or he wolf exactly um so it's so the question is you know are p to me it's not a matter of like will gabe davis shine or regress alter yeah yeah like that's only going to be in numbers he's going to be fine the only reason that anybody will say that is backed up by numbers that will not tell the whole story the only numbers that matters is wins and losses. We're going to get wins. Gabe Davis is going to look good. Everyone's going to love him. The, the only people who are going to say otherwise are just going to be like trolls looking for headlines, looking for controversial takes because that'll get the clicks. I'm not worried about it. Gabe Davis is great. I love him. He has been he has been incredibly consistent the past two years. Right. Each year, he has had 35 <laughs> catches. Each year, he has had... Well, he had 599 yards his rookie year, 549 yards his second year last year, uh, seven versus six touchdowns in those years. Obviously, if the touchdown numbers don't jump, that's perfectly fine. Like seven's a lot. Six is a lot for a number two receiver. But I have to imagine we expect that yardage to jump up to, uh, you know, 800, 900, 1,000, anywhere in that range. So when you say we know what we to expect, I, I hope we don't because he's been in incredibly consistent his career so far. So I'm hoping that's not what I, I, um, I don't want to expect more consistency. I, I want him to take the next jump, but all, all signs point to the, the fact that he is. And See, um, yeah, go ahead. You don't get what I'm saying. If that's what you're saying, then you don't get what I'm saying. He can take, <laughs> he can take a jump. The stats of receptions, yards, and touchdowns is not going to tell that in this offense. Cause there's a million the, the ball has to go around and there's a lot of stars on the offense and he's one of them. He doesn't need to kick. He, what I'm, all I'm saying is that like, he's not going to be carrying very much more weight to that. Like it's going to reflect in these stats. 
he can have more stats, he can have less stats, but he can still be a lot better. It just isn't going to, I'm just saying that the story of him getting a lot better isn't necessarily going to be articulated in receptions, reception yards, touchdowns. Interesting. I, I think it needs to be. <laughs> I think his well, stats need to be better. No. I mean, no. are, are, you, are you saying if his stats aren't better, somebody else's are? Just his presence out there will make players better? Uh, I, I am partially saying that. What I'm mostly saying is that I don't know how many passes you want Josh Allen to throw. There's a million. Yeah. I, I, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like it's going to be impossible to say that he takes a jump because then that won't be the headline. If he takes a jump, the headline will be right. what, where is Steph Diggs? If Gabe Davis takes a jump, where's he been? Or the headline is going to be, we wasted $3.5 million on OJ Howard. Where's he been? Or the headline is going to be Khalil Shakur, the he wolf. Not so much. We haven't seen him at all. He's not being used. Tony, if the he wolf does not have an impact, I don't know how I can take that mentally. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to hear any headlines that the he wolf is not making an impact this year. I need him to. We can't. We well, can't. Yeah, him, on a we can't have him have that nickname and not have him make an impact. All our work I mean, I to, to make he wolf a thing <laughs> will be gone. Well, it's up to him. It's up to him. <laughs> and up to it's up to him, and it's up to Ken Dorsey. <laughs> That's right. But I think he will because uh, he's a very different kind of player than Gabe Davis in that spot. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So I think he will. It'll be interesting to see how they use Shakir because like his, you know, I don't want to compare him to this player, but a lot of people said like, this is the comparable and that's Debo Samuel. I don't think he's as good as Debo Samuel. He could be, but at this point in time, he's, he's definitely not. But if he has that ability where you can move him anywhere in the offense, in the backfield, in the slot, out wide, it'll be interesting to see how Dorsey utilizes someone with that kind of versatility. So, mm-hmm. um, and we, again, we need the He-Wolf nickname to stick. So he needs to make an impact. No pressure, Khalil. Don't fuck it up, Khalil. So speaking about guys who didn't make the jump, uh, OTAs always bring back the memories of reporters and media hyping up a player who looks far and beyond better than they ever expected, Is looks like a, a superstar. And I go right to, because it happened like three years in a row, <laughs> TJ Graham. Just sure. a player who always looked great when the pads were off. He was faster than everyone. His route running was crisper than everyone else's. But when the lights shine brightest, he couldn't deliver. Tony, so let's do our TJ Graham OTA power rankings of players who are being hyped, who will have little to no impact on this season. Tony, what do you want to do? You want to do two each? All right. Let's do two each. Why don't you kick us off here? Okay. I'm going to kick us off with someone who has been getting the lens in his face a little bit that I think partway through the season, we're going to be like, Oh yeah, he's here too. And that is Shaq Lawson. Oh, I think, interesting. I think the, I think the only reason Shaq is getting hype is because we have nostalgia for him in a, of a different okay. time. But I think really he will be buried on the, this death chart. He will only show up every once in a while and we'll be like 90. Who's 90. Oh yeah. Shaq Lawson's here. All right. And then, you know, will he do anything? Maybe every once in a very great while. But I think largely he'll just be kind of like there and be kind of buried because there's a lot more talented uh, edge rushers around. That, that That's an interesting one because I, I think Shaq's going to be motivated from not flaming out completely, but his post-Bills career was not, I'm sure, how he imagined it would go, bouncing from 
team to team and three teams within two years, three years. I think he's going to be extra motivated. I think he still has. If you look at some advanced analytics, like he, he has some good numbers. And I think in the right scheme with the right motivation, I think he he could have an impact on this team. I think his talent and his skill set and if it's anything that he showed with the Bills his last year, I, I think there's a place for that. That's an interesting one. I'm surprised. I'm surprised you said that. So I'm just, I'm just saying there's a, we already talked about it. There's a lot of defensive ends. There's will a lot, Shaq yeah. have, will, will Shaq have the favor of Leslie Frazier? I mean, that's really what it boils down to. Right. And that's what it always boils down to, right? Is the coach and he's not, he's not going to, he didn't have it the first go around right. apparently because they didn't resign him. So. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. What's going to change? No, that's a, I think that's a really good pick. Again, that room is crowded. So it'll be interesting to see what the snap count is and who who stands out from that group. Tony, my first pick, this is going to be a tough one. I'm going to have to go with, I hate to do it because I wanted the Bills to sign this guy in the offseason and they did. I'm going to go with OJ Howard. I don't think it's a Jacob Hollister situation here where he's going to be a surprise cut no. in any way. We when we signed him or when we were hoping to sign him, we thought of him as uh, a secondary offensive weapon. If if Knox gets injured or uh, just another piece, an offensively athletic, gifted player. Everything I read from OTAs is like he's very clunky in his route running. And he doesn't look fast, and you know maybe it's just it's off season. And he needs to get up to speed, but. Everything I read has me a little concerned of OJ Howard's place on this team. And if he does have a place on this team in a roster spot opening week, I think we might be seeing like a 20 to 30 catches, 200 to 300 yards, and maybe a, maybe more of a specialty player in terms of the packages he's he's in. And that's I'm primarily looking at red zone packages. Maybe that's his role, but in terms of like this Patriots, Gronk and Hernandez, two tight ends set. We have two dominant mismatches galore on the field with two tight ends who are extremely athletic. I, I'm not seeing it early on from OJ Howard. I'm a little worried. That's my choice. I could see that. I mean, I could see OJ Howard falling up to pieces in the sense that every time that we've tried to have like two athletic tight ends like this, we don't see them both as integral parts of the offense. We just see Dawson Knox doing his thing. Right. So I, I, I do have the same feeling as you. I like that OJ Howard's here, but I would say I, I have a little bit of leeriness about it. I'm, I'm trying to be, is realistic the right word? No, but I'm trying to be a little bit like cautious that I'm going to have my heart broken. Yeah, I think, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. It could be a very, especially because I wanted him in the offseason, it could be a very heartbreaking situation. Uh, right. Tony, who's your, who's right. your second guy who is making your TJ Graham all-star list here? You know, I find that locally, I don't think very many, very much of the media has their eye on him, but nationally somehow, everybody just seems to be all about it. And it's the man with the million dollar smile himself, James Cook, the explorer, <laughs> the navigator. I would say like, okay, like a lot of people are hyping up like, oh yeah, he's going to bring this amazing fold into the Bills offense. I don't right. know. I kind of think that the Bills offense is going to be like what, what it would be. And and, and I Cook's largely also kind of think that, yeah, yeah, and James Cook is going to be there. And I largely kind of think that, you know, James Cook is going to be there, but Devin Singletary is still going to be the guy, I think. Yeah, and it's I not like so. we run very much. It's not like we run very much anyway. Like at what point are we going to say, ooh, this is, 
this is James Cook really like owning things. Will we? Or because I mean, I remember Brita sort of quote unquote owning things for, you know, a week and a half. And like, it was a lot of fun. But we're also not really going to remember Matt Breida on the team for a while. So is it just going to end up being another iteration of that? I'm kind of thinking it might be. Ooh, interesting take. I think they'll slow play him. I, I really do. I think he's, I, I think what they've done this offseason in terms of their pursuit of JD McKissick, the signing of Duke Johnson, and the draft pick <laughs> of James Cook, I think the blooming onion is becoming unraveled in terms of what Ken Dorsey's offense is going to look like here and the pieces aren't getting picked off. But it's clear that. I believe from at least on a paper stand from a non-paper standpoint, Ken Dorsey wants to run a lot of screen games, utilizing that piece of the offense that maybe hasn't been used in the McDermott, Josh Allen era quite as frequently as we liked. So it'll be interesting to see how they incorporate James Cook. My question to you is, is the man ever going to smile? When we started this podcast, we were on Kendall Gaskins watch. You were at training camp. We checked in every day. Is Kendall Gaskins there? I think we need to be on James Cook's smile watch this year. And you at training camp need to report if he ever smiles because I'm almost wondering if you're kind of not, maybe not, I don't want to say like falling, maybe falling back a little on James Cook of like, he was super hyped in the draft. Oh, we got James Cook. He's great. He's this two, two-way threat. Is, is, is your optimism, is your excitement wavering a little because of his personality? Oh, I see what you're saying. No, I think I separate the man from his or from his, the smile or lack thereof. I think okay. I separate the man. I know that. Okay. I know that he doesn't smile. I've known a lot of people who don't smile very much or who are, who are like that. But I would say I would say I'm not in the least bit worried. And I think that I think we will see him smile. I think that there's a lot of funny guys on this team and they're going to break him. But I think that <laughs> to see him smile. For the cameras, forget about it. No one cares. I think it'd be an interesting angle to see like the team kind of lean into this thing a little. Like a lot of the Twitter talk is, oh, James Cook's not happy in Buffalo. He never smiles. Like not reading between the lines. Right. You know, just seeing what's at face value. And James Cook has responded on Twitter saying like, no, I'm good. I'm happy. I'm in Buffalo, blah, blah, blah. But I would love it if the team, knowing how charismatic everyone is, knowing how goofy everyone is, um, playful everyone is i would love it if they leaned into this notion a little and had like a little competition in the locker room of like trying to crack james cook you know like pranks jokes doing something to get this man to smile i think that'd be a fun little bill's media that uh social media team you can uh you can take that one from us and that's a great idea i'm on board with it or just or just anything about just pepper it could be any video about anything and just as long as, you know, there's like uppity happy music and then it every once in a while cuts to just a silent, dead face <laughs> James Cook and then back into, you know, the fun of it. Right. Then I think you got to hit on your hands. Yeah, I think that I think we need to lean into this angle. We're we're the Bills social media team here of like this man never smiles. Yeah. Let's let's have some fun with it. Because <laughs> I think that would, that would be good for James Cook, too, is like, oh, I'm not like an outsider. You know, my personality might not be the same. I might not be goofy and dancing and whatever, but you know, I can be, I can be part of this group. So I think it'd be good for everyone. (laughs) Um, My second player on the TJ Graham OTA all-star list is, and I hate to do it because I like him and he's getting a lot of hype this opening week. I got to go with Nick McLeod. (laughs) Nick McLeod has been a lot of talk and you know what? I, I was almost like, gonna flip it to Dane Jackson because I think Nick McLeod's 
I think he could be the real deal because I really liked him in preseason last year. And I think it was a numbers game and being an undrafted rookie. I don't think McDermott was ready to put him in a, a prominent role, but a year under his belt, a year in the system in since he's system too, but also in our system. And it looks like he's picking up right where he left off last preseason and maybe even better. So the, the problem is a numbers game and the problem is that he hasn't done it in an active game yet. So that's why I think Nick McLeod is getting a lot of hype, but in the end, maybe as a roster spot based on how thin the cornerback room is, especially with Tredavis White's injury. I could see Nick McLeod like being super hyped, making great plays. And then, you know, it's going to be Elam and Jackson just because they have experience. Like Elam's going to get put in the starting spot right away because he's a first round pick and Dane Jackson has the experience from the last two years. So, um, you know, I, I could see Nick McLeod getting all this hype through the summer and then kind of being a very, very good depth player on this team, but not really making that leap into a, a starter every snap kind of cornerback. So uh, my second pick's Nick McLeod, as much as I cringe to say it, because I really like him and I think he's really good. And I even think he's so good that he might overtake Dane Jackson from a from a game experience standpoint. I, I don't know if McDermott's ready to make the, the same leap I would make at this point. So that's my pick, Nick McLeod. I would say Nick McLeod is poised to be the new to be this year's training camp darling and yes. i think it's already written in stone in the sense that if he's already getting the hype and ota's like then everyone will just jump on their confirmation bias of what well, we know nick mcleod is going to be having you know the off season of his life uh <laughs> right. and so they're just so it's just going to become like how did nick mcleod do in practice today remotely good that's it he's the second coming you know like this is <laughs> this is it so that is a good pick, especially because he'll just be a training camp darling. And then maybe he'll be sort of back and forth between the practice squad and the roster. And then, you know, what, what is it? We got a Brandon Riley situation in our hands. Uh, that sounds good. Don't say that. I'm in don't the mood. I'm in the mood for that. I'm in the mood. I can, I can be on board with that. Don't, don't be smirch Brandon Riley's name like that. Mm, hands Riley. Smirch. Great use of a smirch. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I, it's a word yeah. I like to throw in the, the lexicon of my my everyday life as much as yeah, I you can. You are a true wordsmith. <laughs> I try to be. Listeners, we'll put it on Twitter who who your picks for the TJ Graham OTA All-Star Power Rankings, whatever you want to call them, award would be. Who do you think's being hyped in training camp here? Uh, let us know. Um, Tony, the only other note I had for the opening week of OTAs other than, you know, Josh Allen looks great in a visor. We had our first fight, which was, I don't want to say surprising, because we've had fights, seems like every year in the opening weeks of OTAs. I think last year we had Feliciano and AJ Epinesa after AJ Epinesa made a really nice play and took a pick six or something. Um, can't remember all the details, but this year we had Ed Oliver and I forget who the offensive player was, but I know like Elijah Griffin didn't feel like players were regulating. I like the fire though. I like the fire right away. It's a competitive environments the the stakes are high the expectations are high i am okay with ota inner squad fighting what are your thoughts i mean no i'm not okay with it you don't like to see it but <laughs> i accept tensions are high they haven't hit anybody in a while i understand that it's going to that it's going to happen like i, I like that there's that emotional investment exists in it but i don't like to see it i, I want this team to be a team but i'm also like it's it's may you know it feels kind of like it's the beginning of remember the Titans. Then they become a team and they're all running right. each other. Right. So I, it's whatever. I just want to know if Elijah Griffin on the regular uses lyrics from regulate to like insult people. Like 
you know, if he's yelling at a player, he's like, you can't be any geek off the street and come into my house. Like something like that. I, I just want to know. I'm constantly, I would love to get Elijah on the show. I want to know just how just fascinated much. by his life. I am. I'm fascinated by that. He's the son of Orange G. Like I, I could care less about his life right. other than that fact. <laughs> I just want to know like, his what life. it what it was like growing up like with warren g snoop dog like nate dog that whole west coast rap group like that had to be just the stories are, have to be amazing <laughs> if we were to have like one guest on this show who are the four people you picked to have dinner with before you die or something um if we were to have <laughs> one guest on this podcast before we ended it it would be elijah griffin i feel like at this point for me boy wow what a statement to say okay <laughs> i will keep that in mind over what under on how many okay. How, how long we could talk to Elijah Griffin in three and a half hours? Longer just asking him questions. Oh, yeah. See, that's what I think too. To believe, I also have to believe that he is a great conversationalist, that he is talkative, that he deals with the media well, just in the sense that he grew up in sort of like in the world of that. Right. Exactly. Yeah. He grew like up in, you know, in he the must spotlight. Be, he yeah. must be seasoned. Yeah. He must be seasoned in that. So I, I think longer than that. Yeah. It would just be fascinating to learn about his, his, is come up and is growing up in that world and you know uh, if, if he still is like you know does he take can he just text snoop dog i'm sure he can right <laughs> that'd be amazing to know um tony any other notes about otas before we uh before we wrap up here my only note on the ed oliver situation is just like i'm just glad if he was going to fight someone it was another player and not a coach oh yeah <laughs> well he has jackets now so uh, that's a that's important that's an important piece what? of that was the whole reason he was mad and got into a fight with his coach is because he didn't have a jacket on the sideline. Oh, I guess it's sure. There's jacket access is a big piece to this. His jacket access you know, I mean, maybe, is, maybe is top that's, tier now. Yeah, right. I mean, maybe that's the key to a lot of, you know, off-season practice fights is jacket access. Do we need to expand jacket access? And then all of a sudden the fights might be okay. I just thought of another regulate lyric that I wonder if Elijah uses in his everyday dialogue. If he's getting like yelled at in the film room, he's like, coach, if I had wings, I could fly. Let me contemplate. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just think that'd be amazing. I like the fire from Ed Oliver. I think, you know, this being them picking up his fifth year option, this being his bridge to an, a new contract. I, I think he's going to just be on fire this year, especially with a beefed up defensive line, both the interior and edge presence that they've added this offseason. I think Ed Oliver is going to be like a Pro Bowl level player this year. He should have been last year, but oh, 100% agree. No other notes. I, I don't have anything other than you, you said you were going to mention a puncher again and you didn't. So you're, you're, I think, well, you're then, then you said myself you were down do... and myself down and the listeners down here. Well, Matt, then you said we were going to do two each. If we had a third, I would have said that it's one of the punchers. Ooh, because, which is it? Well, that's, I don't see. I, I go back and forth. Sometimes I want to say it's the raise that sometimes. And then it's like, well, maybe a race is just going to go on the practice squad. But sometimes I want to say, no, we're not going to do that to the punk god. We're going to do that to the whole god. I just don't know. I just don't, I don't know. think they keep hack on the practice hawk on the practice squad. Yeah, I kind of don't think they do either. But why have a punter on a practice? Squad? What's the point? Well, I think. Well, I think if <laughs> he can it's, go punt, he can go punt anywhere. <laughs> he doesn't need to be. Well, in I the think facility. if it's I, we wouldn't do that with hack, but we would. I think we would keep hack and practice squad Eraza. Yes, I do think that. Yeah, but I don't think that's going to be the case. <laughs> I think a race. I don't is think win, so either. Win the battle. But if I had to find people to give a TJ Graham award to, right. I would. I would go there if I had to. You you know the 
instant Matt Areza hits like a 60 yarder, everyone's going to be like lose on Twitter, shit. just blowing up. Yeah. Like losing their stuff. Yeah. 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 But the minute, but the minute Tyler Bass misses a field goal, everyone's going to lose their shit. See, I, I'm not worried about um, the whole, Areza. I'm not worried about the whole, we, we talk as if like Matt Areza is a, like a terrible, like holder of the holder. football. <laughs> like the fact that Bajorquez was, was a, a bad holder, didn't hold it correctly for Bass and, and that was the reason kicks were missed or whatever. I, I got to put that on Corey Bohorquez. I feel like it's very easy to fix this problem. <laughs> it's a very easy job to do, right? You take the snap, you place it down. And if you don't do it right, I'm guessing you're just practicing it over and over and over again. It seems like a very easy thing. So mm. that's my final notes about punt, punting, All the right. punting competition here. We'll see. All we'll right. see. I'm um, so ignorant right now. I do. I know. I, I'm very ignorant when it comes to special teams. I'm like, anybody can play yeah. special teams. <laughs> I'm just extremely <laughs> ignorant when it comes to special teams across the board. Yeah. So uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to deviate from that anytime soon. Tony, that's all I had. Glad to see the bills back. Glad to see them together. Um, you know, doing all the community work they did uh, after the tragic shooting in Buffalo and uh, helping out, volunteering their time, coming together for the Micah Hyde charity softball event. Um, it was great to see, and and now them together at OTAs. It's uh, it's good to see new faces, old faces, established faces together, and having fun doing it. We're getting Josh Allen like goofy fifty year old dad vibes back, which which I'm always appreciative of. So it's uh it's good to see the boys back and uh, at at One Bills Drive. So yeah, that's all I had. So, uh, Tony, with that, I think uh, we'll take a break. We'll kick it to our sponsor and a word from Traveling Growler. When we come back, we will talk uh, some NBA with our guest, Brian Toporek from Bleacher Report. So uh, we'll be back after the break. That sound you hear? That's the sound of opening up a refreshing cold one on a hot summer day. And you know what's keeping my drink cold, listeners? A quality koozie from Traveling Growler. Follow them on Instagram and check out www.travelinggrowler.com for all their cool designs. Keep the chill in your fill and travel in style with Traveling Growler. Now back to the show. And we are back, Witty Nation. We now welcome to the show for a little NBA playoff talk. Bleacher Report editor and host of the NBA podcast, Brian Toporek. Brian, how are you doing tonight, man? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thank you so much for being on the show. We don't get to talk a lot about the NBA because in Buffalo, it's all about the Bills and the Sabres and no NBA team. I mean, I wish the Buffalo Braves were back in some way, shape or form, but maybe uh, maybe that's a future conversation. Yeah, yeah, there's talk of NBA expansion, so you never know. I know. Well, it's, Seattle deserves a team before we do. Yeah. So I'll, <laughs> give, I'll give them that. Uh, but we're on the cusp of the NBA finals and uh, we have the Warriors looking to wrap up their series against the Mavericks tonight. But before we get into the conference finals and discuss those series, let's just talk about these playoffs as a whole. Are, are these the worst NBA playoffs we've in a while it seems like there's so many blowout games it seems like i'm I'm watching these games every night and i i'm disinterested by the third quarter yeah (laughs) because they're 20 point or more games uh what is going on this year that uh we have so much differentiation and scores and fluctuation and teams playing really good one night and not so good two nights later what's going on do you think yeah i mean i think it's a combination of factors like i honestly thought the first two rounds were pretty entertaining it's just we got to the conference finals and you know in the west it just seems like the warriors are really bad matchup for the mavericks and in the east i think this is just 
the accumulation of like three years of wear and tear being packed into less than three calendar years. Like the pandemic has just shortened two consecutive off seasons now. So, you know, the heat were made it on a deep run in 2020. And like, I, I, I don't know if it's that, or, you know, a lot of these guys came into the playoffs healthy and then there's just not a ton of time, especially in the conference finals to recover if you do get injured. So like, you know, especially heat Celtics, like half of the guys are on one leg at this point. Like they just don't have anything left to give. So I think that's been a big part. So hopefully like, I almost want these series to just get over more quickly. So these guys will have a couple of days to recover before the finals. And we can actually see knock on wood. We'll see a competitive finals. Right. That heat Celtics series that's going on is just, I mean, Tatum, Tatum's arm the other night looked like it was fully like just limp and off. And then he goes (laughs) in the back and uh, I don't know, the trainer did some Mr. Miyagi like healing. (laughs) He's back out there, but yeah, the injuries are piling up in that series. Jimmy Butler, it does not look right as well, but before we get into the conference, finals and talking about those series more in depth. Let's talk about how we got here. Some of these teams that have been eliminated that we've left behind. And I want to start with the Phoenix Suns because they had the best record in the NBA this regular season. They have young stars in Aiton and Booker, an all-time great guard in Chris Paul and role players like Miles Bridges and Jay Crowder, who seem to fit their roles in the Monty Williams system perfectly. So what happened? (laughs) What happened that they lose to uh, a seemingly inferior Dallas Mavericks team. Um, explain that one to me. Cause I'm still like befuddled by it. <laughs> yeah. Chris Paul turned 37 and apparently turned like 80 when he turned 37, like <laughs> right. he just completely fell apart on the second half of that series. I mean, they, they targeted him really on defense. And then, you know, the Mavericks role players, that's been the big question with the Mavericks really the entire season, especially after Christoph's Porzingis trade was, you know, Luca is an incredible MVP caliber talent, but will their role players, you know, step up, give him some like legitimate supporting cast and against the Suns, they did against the Warriors. They haven't quite a little bit in game four, but not as much, but you know, Jalen Brunson, Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, both played really well in that series. Dinwiddie, especially in the final two games of that series, Dorian Finney-Smith was good in that series. Maxi Kleba, they, you know, they ran this like five outlook that Phoenix had no answer for. So it, it raises some big questions about Phoenix. Cause you know, you mentioned Deandre Ayton and I was about to say, like, are we sure that they have Deandre Ayton moving forward? He's <laughs> going to be a restricted free agent this summer. And you know, whether they lose him, you know, he signs and they just don't match or they sign and trade him somewhere, which I think is probably more likely scenario. You just have to wonder whatever they get back. Is it a big enough downgrade that like we can't take them, you know, as a tier one contender next year? Yeah. I mean, it seemed like Aiden was out of it. I don't know if he's looking, he's obviously looking for that max deal, right? Yeah. 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 I, I think so. So it, it was just, it was just surprising because you watch him in the regular season and the playoffs are a whole new beast, right? And, you, you know, 82 games and teams, what, but they just look so comfortable in that Monty Williams system. It just seemed like everyone knew their role. Even the bent, even the depth on that team was just insane. Like I, I watched yeah. Holiday and Andrew Shamit and those guys come in and really play their role really well. And yeah. it just, it just seemed like it all fell apart at the, at the absolute wrong time. And, and the Mavericks are 
Uh, and we'll talk about the Mavericks in a minute here, but you know, a team that lives and dies by the three, it seems. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. I mean, that they, was a, they, another big thing. Like the Dallas just, you know, Phoenix is a low volume three point shooting hot. team and Dallas right. is a high volume three point shooting team. So it turned out to be a math problem that, you know, for a couple of those games. Yeah, it, it was, it was crazy. I, I was shocked at that. They came even, or that series even went to seven, you know, let alone the Mavericks yeah. won it in the end. Yeah. And they, and they really took it to them in Phoenix game seven sons and four guy. It was, was nowhere to be seen Ooh. that series. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, regarding Chris Paul though, do you think if Cliff Paul had the same opportunities as Chris, he would have won a championship <laughs> by now? <laughs> man. I, I mean, it just does seem like it's one thing after another for him like that. The, the Rockets team where he strained the hamstring was like, you know, that, that team, if he had not gotten hurt, they probably do win the title. This Suns team, I, I mean, you're right. Like, I thought they were the title favorite coming into the playoffs, and I was very wrong about that. So, you know, again, like, if it, the, the, the uncertainty with what's going to happen with them this offseason makes me very nervous because, you know, Chris Paul regardless of what happens, even if he retires without a ring, he's still going to be one of the best point guards ever. Definitely one of the best players of this generation, but it does feel increasingly likely that he is going to retire without a ring at this point. Yeah. And of course the Kardashian curse kicks in again. with yeah. Devin Booker, so <laughs> can't, can't fail to mention that. Uh, no, no, no. Staying in the Western conference though. Um, I'm looking at teams like jazz and the nuggets who were bounced early this playoffs and is their roster construction how it currently is? Is that sustainable? Is that is that enough to get them over the hump? Because let's start with the Jazz, for example. Like Donovan Mitchell's fine. Mm-hmm. He's he's a great player, great great wing, great scorer, whatever. But I'm looking at the other centerpiece of the this Jazz era, this Mitchell era, and it's Rudy Gobert, of course. And it feels like the league has evolved past Rudy Gobert. Like they figured him out. If he can't be a presence in the paint, which is what to me, teams are doing offensively is drawing him out on, on pick and rolls and switches and whatnot. And mm-hmm. he he's seems completely ineffective on the perimeter, which he, he is. I mean, if you look at his stats at opening round against the Mavericks, he, he got his rebound numbers, of course, and he always is, but he only averaged 12 points a game. I mean, is, is Rudy Gobert, is the game passed over Rudy Gobert is, is, can he be a centerpiece, whether with the jazz or somewhere else, a centerpiece of a franchise moving forward? It's a fair question. I mean, like, you know, Draymond Green always says there's six, 82 game players and 16 game players. And Rudy Gobert is very clearly a great 82 game player, but right. you, know, you do have to wonder whether he is a viable 16 game player, just given what's happened over the course of his career. I think he can be like part of this, I think is he catches a little too much flack because their defense just falls apart in the playoffs every year. But like, he's right. the only good defender on this team other than Royce O'Neal and Royce O'Neal <laughs> can't cover every perimeter hole. So like, Boyan Bogdanovich, you know, Mike Conley, even Mitchell, who came into the league, he was supposed to be a defense guy. And then the offense right. is supposed to come come around later and that the opposite has happened. So, like, you know, if they are just getting blown by, Gobert can't cover everything, especially when teams go five out and draw him out away from the basket. And then on offense, I think that's the bigger problem. It's like if teams are going small against you, you have to just punish them on the other end of the floor. And I know these, you know, some of the like Donovan Mitchell, not passing to Rudy Gobert stats went viral toward the end of the regular season. I don't remember the exact numbers, but you know, I think one of them was like, he had more turnovers than passes or assists to Gobert or something like that. If they do keep this group together, that's something they're going to have to rectify, get better perimeter defenders somehow. And, you know, like try to make Gobert more of, 
not an offensive like centerpiece because that's still going to be Mitchell, but right. like have him involve him more. I mean, he's never taken more than 8.8 field goal attempts per game in the regular season. That seems absurd, especially right. if teams are going to guard him the way that they do in the playoffs. So I think that that needs to be a priority. You know, Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report wrote an article a couple of weeks back because, yeah, like, you know, there's been reported tension between Mitchell and, and Gobert for years now at this point. But he wrote an article saying, you know, the Jazz might not be in a huge hurry to break this group up because Utah is hosting the All-Star game next year. And supposedly oh, one of the motivations of team governor is to, you know, to have multiple All-Stars representing them in that game. So whether that's a good reason to keep them together or not, I'm not to say, but like, I, I don't know necessarily that they're going to break that group up. I think, you know, try to shuffle the pieces around them first and then give this thing one more try. And then maybe next year is when you really consider, okay, this yeah. is just not going to work at all. They're going to, they're going to keep them together. At least give them some secondary scoring. I, I, yeah. Bogdanovich is fine. Clarkson's great off the bench in terms of, you know, putting the ball in the basket, but past that. A good volume bad efficiency you know losing joe Ingles hurt to the injury this year yep so absolutely i mean it, like i think it makes sense to blow this thing up but i don't think they're going to do it <laughs> so i think like it, they definitely can't run it back no matter what like they do have to make some significant changes but I don't know whether it reaches the break Mitchell and Gobert up part, at least based on yeah. the reporting so far. That makes sense. Yeah. Now a team that I don't think needs any help in terms of secondary scoring, and I don't think should be brought up, but it seems like they have a, the injury bug uh, yeah. is the Denver Nuggets. Not having Jamal Murray, not having Michael Porter Jr. this year. It just didn't seem like they had the firepower. You know, Will Barton, I think is a great role player. Bones Highland, I thought came on nicely at the end of the season as a rookie. But if it's not Jokic being an unstoppable force, or Superman, it doesn't seem like the you know the Nuggets have what it takes, and Aaron Gordon's not cutting it anytime soon. I mean, yeah. unless he's filming like Uncle Drew too. But <laughs> what's what's the answer for the Nuggets? Is it just to get healthy? I think so. Honestly, yeah. Murray, we've seen in the playoffs in years past, has been sensational. Porter had a rough you know nine games or whatever he played this year, and then missed the rest of the season. I think he's the big question mark because this is now his third back surgery. You know, his back injuries leading into the draft or the reason he right. fell to the Nuggets at 14. So, you know, they don't really have an easy way out here because they just gave him this gigantic extension last offseason. He's going to be the key to making all of this work because if he is healthy and he stays healthy, Gordon slides down to like the number four scorer can focus more on defense. Barton could either be the number five scorer. You can bring him off as a six man. Monte Morris goes back to the backup point guard role, which he is more suited for. You mentioned Bones Highland. He came on strong, especially in the second half of the season. We'll see Jeff Green, Jamichael Green both have player options. We'll see if they come back. But like the Nuggets have the pieces in place, the core pieces in place. It's really just like, you know, right. bolster the bench as best you can with the resources that you have. But like we, I mean, it, it was a very small sample size and it was the regular season. But you no, know, after they made the Aaron Gordon trade last year and before Jamal Murray got hurt, like they were just annihilating teams. So I right. think if they stay healthy, you know, I, I'm looking ahead to next year and I'm thinking they're like top three in the East, probably, or in the West, sorry. West, yeah. Their, their downfall, I thought, was maybe like a curse of Bull Bull, not, not giving a fair shot. <laughs> 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 because like, that's fair. I, I mean, I think the Nuggets are like right on the cusp, especially 
yeah. with Jokic. And I feel like that guy at this rate between him and Giannis could win MVP every year. <laughs> that that's yeah. how that's how impactful they are in all facets of the game too. It's not just, you know, they're prolific scorers or dominant on the boards. They're, they're just standout players. <laughs> like they're just, they're cut above everyone else. It feels like at this rate. So yeah, no, I agree. I agree. The Nuggets could definitely be a, a top three team easily. I, I could see that, especially if Porter gets healthy. That's, that's huge. Cause I feel like he adds and, and Murray too. And he, he adds spacing to the floor, right? Cause yeah. he he's, awesome from, from the three point arc. And when he, when he's on, that is. So, uh, I think that that's big, especially if Jokic moves the way he does in, in that offense. So, um, but moving on to the East now wanted to touch on the Brooklyn Nets. I've never <laughs> seen a more talented team be so disappointing in the playoffs. Yeah. And I know there was all the in-season issues with the Simmons Harden trade and Kyrie's COVID issues and whatever. But the playoffs came around and I mean, it seemed like Kevin Durant was more focused on responding to Twitter accounts with 27 followers than he was. Defense. <laughs> where, where did the nets go from here? Cause again, like when you look at just teams on paper in terms of talent, the, the nets are, are right up there with some of some of the more talented teams in the league. So what, what do you think the nets do from here on? Is it trading Kyrie? Is it, I don't even know what you do with Ben Simmons at this point. Yeah. What do you think? I wrote something at Forbes uh, that went up before this news about, you know, them maybe not re-signing Kyrie came out. And I was saying like, it's too early to judge either side of the Simmons Harden trade. Cause we just like the early returns were not what either team Good hoped for, for anyone, but like, <laughs> there's still a lot of this. <laughs> right. But there's like, yeah. it could still work out for both teams. We just like, I, you know, this snap judgment of like, Oh, I, they, these teams are both losers and everyone else is a winner. Cause they weren't involved. It's like, all right, well, let's see how next year unfolds. That, that right, said, yeah. Christian Winfield of the New York daily news reported Wednesday that, you know, the Nets might not even be willing to give Kyrie Irving an extension this off season. He could be a free agent. He's a $36.9 million player option that if he turns down, he'll be a free agent. So, I mean, that's the first question. Like, does he turn that player option down? If not, they can punt that decision for another year. All is temporarily well, but like, I understand the hesitation of giving him a full five-year max or however much he's asking for just because mm -hmm. of the availability questions and just everything that goes with Kyrie Irving. So maybe line his deal up, give him a four-year max instead, or give him you know a three plus one, like line him up with KD so you aren't committed to him beyond KD and KD goes through 25-26. Yeah, so yeah. My, my good friend Dan Favalli at Bleacher Report wrote a column today uh, basically arguing like, look, if you're not going to re-sign Kyrie, you need to trade Kevin Durant because these guys were a package deal. And if Kyrie leaves, you're not going to have the cap space to replace him in free agency and you're going to have KD left with the team that just got swept in the first round. You're like Ben Simmons comes back. Joe Harris comes back. That's great. But they, without Kyrie, this team is not a real, you know, top tier contender competing with Boston, Milwaukee, whoever in the East next year. So I think they do resign Kyrie. Ultimately, I don't know what the, the final structure of the deal will look like, but you know, DraftKings just released early 22, 23 title odds and the Nets are the favorites again. So, you know, <laughs> Vegas is trying to manipulate the market however 
they were like protect themselves from you know they're not going to put the nets at like plus three thousand because people are going to hammer them right away but right clearly like the betting markets view the nets as legitimate contenders if they just resign the guys that they have now you know they also have a number of other notable free agents most notably nick claxton who's unrestricted or a restricted free agent and then bruce brown who is unrestricted so you know everyone else like Marcus Aldridge, Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond, even who, who cares, but what happens with those two guys is going to be really interesting as well. That's amazing. We said that about Blake, who was like yeah. a, a really like prominent figure during, you know, you know, the Chris Paul Clipper years and what, you know, and now he's, he's barely getting time in the playoffs off the bench. Can it work with Simmons? You think? say they bring Kyrie back in in some Mm -hmm. form and you know obviously Kyrie plays point guard and I mean Simmons feels like he needs the ball I I I have I have a lot of beef with Ben Simmons because he's uh, to me he's the only like all-star level player I've ever seen play in the NBA that is afraid to shoot the basketball like legitimately afraid to shoot the basketball (laughs) no matter I mean we've seen him in the playoffs years past give up layups give up layups to pass it out like clear layups make a very high efficient makeable shots can it work with Simmons you think I'm a Philly guy so I am very familiar with the pros (laughs) and cons of the Ben Simmons experience and I mean I think it depends on the rest of the roster I think they do need to bring Nick Claxton back I've seen a lot of Nets fans say like we could play Ben Simmons to the five full-time at no he is not gonna work I promise you he's not somebody's been watching winning time too much yeah (laughs) playing the five He's not Giannis. Like you can do it in spurts, maybe in the playoffs, but it's not a full-time solution. So they, they do right. need a real center. But I do think like if they have Kyrie, KD, Joe Harris, and then one of Seth Curry or Patty Mills, like that's a lot of shooting on the floor. Like the Ben yeah. Joel fit didn't work because you can't park Ben in the dunker spot. Teams are going to ignore him. Double team Joel. The Nets aren't going to park people in the paint. Like they don't have, you know, this like low post behemoth who is going to try to mostly operate in there and like you know joe went out to the perimeter developed a face-up game in part to help facilitate his fit with ben but like you know kyrie's gonna hang out mostly on the perimeter katie is gonna hang out mostly on the perimeter i think you can structure your offense in a way where you know if you're trying to set up a driving lane for one of those guys you just move ben out and you know maybe the teams ignore him like he is going to have to start shooting at some point as much (laughs) as like i know there is a weird faction of Sixers Twitter in particular that is like, no, the the focus on his shooting is overblown. And like, he does do a lot of other things. He's an incredible defender, one of the best perimeter defenders in the league. Also a dynamic playmaker in transition. But if you can't shoot and teams completely ignore you, on that side of the floor in the playoffs, it might even be more detrimental than being a bad defender. Because like, if you're a bad defender, they aren't necessarily going to go after you every single time down the floor. If you are a complete zero on offense, they are going to ignore you every single time down the floor. <laughs> Especially on those high pick and rolls. Like they don't, they just back off of Simmons. They just yeah. dare him to shoot. I and mean, why not? I mean, why not? Right. Until, until he shows that he's, willing to even take them like even if he i mean he's not going to be a high volume you know mid-range or long-range shooter anytime soon but like he just needs to show that he is willing to attempt a 15-foot jump shot (laughs) to make teams even think about defending him at that area well it should be interesting next year to see how he is incorporated uh into that into that team uh let's talk about the teams that are playing though conference finals going on warriors like i mentioned in the opening looking to wrap up 
their series with the Mavericks. And let's start with that series in the West here. Mavericks improbable run, I'd say at this point. Yeah. I, I didn't see them getting out of the first round against the Jazz, obviously. But I mean, uh, on the shoulders of Luca and th- uh, some really good three-point shooting and some really bad three-point shooting sometimes. <laughs> Here they are. And I mean, they're they're quite clearly overmatched by this Warriors team, especially offensively, I feel like. You know, the Warriors just have so many weapons they can throw at them. But they're they're in the Western Conference Finals. And I'm guessing if you interviewed Mark Cuban at the start of this playoffs, he would say they're winning a championship and nobody would believe him. But they're they're almost there. So do you do you attribute it to just Luca being amazing or what do you think the the reason for this Mavericks run is here in in this year's playoffs I mean it's mostly Luca like if you have the best player in the series that's going to give you a leg up and they've had that in both of their series so far you could even argue they have it in this series uh you know again the supporting cast has not really come through in this series they've They've attempted a ton of threes going into game five, 181 threes compared to the Warriors, who you think of as a three-point shooting team. They're only at 117, but right. you know, they're only shooting 43% overall, 36 from three. Uh, Jalen Brunson was really fantastic. I mean, he was fantastic against the, the Suns, but he's been pretty good just overall in the playoffs like he's asserting himself as yeah yeah, like as a real okay this guy could be a number two option you know probably like ideally a number three but like he's he's gonna be an unrestricted free agent this summer he's made himself a lot of money in these playoffs i think a lot of it was you know that the dinwiddie's bullocks finney smith maxi klebas of the world just got hot at the right time and unfortunately they've all cooled off yeah they've all cooled (laughs) off against the the warriors like Kleba's four of 17 from three davis bertans is two of 12 from three so you know i think the next step is ideally find luca a true number two option it's going to be easier said than done but you know what they did at trade deadline breaking up christophs porzingis into the smaller contracts of dinwiddie and bertans they've given themselves more flexibility so if that guy does become available you know they, they have pathways to acquire him i like that they have an identity i I think they know they're not the more talented team in this series or or in any series they've been in so far in this playoffs but it just seems like they live and die by the three as we mentioned but they're also just gritty and mean and sometimes even dirty i'd say Mm -hmm. and i think it gets mentally in their opposition's heads a little it it obviously did in game seven of that phoenix series because they they just took it to them like they were aggressive both on both sides of the ball offensively and defensively and uh, even the warriors at some at some points look look a little shook here um because of how aggressive they are but you're right i mean it's the role players and i feel like the Mavericks like live and die by um, how good Dorian Finney Smith plays. <laughs> like yeah. if he, if yeah. he, if he's a factor, like they'll be in the game if he's not for some reason. And I think their coach mentioned like how he's one of the more important players to their success as well. If he's not a factor, it just seems like they're, they're not even in it. And it's not like he's a guy that averages 20 points a game or anything, but in terms of, I mean, call him a three and D guy, I guess, but I think he's good on both sides of the floor and he, he can space and, but yeah, the role players are just um not, not performing. They've gone cold at the wrong time. As we mentioned, I think 
I think it was Kevin Harlan the other night was like Maxi Kleba finally made a three and he's like, finally Kleba. <laughs> it's one. And he's like one for the last 15 or whatever yeah. it was at that point. So I do feel bad, but again, an incredible run. Brunson's been a revelation because he was a guy two years ago who was getting 20 minutes a game and averaging eight points a game. And he's turned into a, a really good secondary option in terms of scoring for the Mavericks, you know, and for a guy who's, it says he's six one. I highly doubt that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's listed at six one. But for for a guy who is, uh, let's just say five ten, um, <laughs> really good, really good in the paint, like yeah. really good post moves, and like surprisingly like silky and smooth with it. And uh, he, he's he's been really good. I, I've taken a couple prop bets on him actually nice, for over nice. points, and and it's paid off uh, quite well this series. But on the flip side, the Warriors is this a, a feel good Warriors team now? I mean, it, it seemed like the Durant years, they were so hateful. I mean, mm-hmm. you look at that Toronto series and obviously the injuries just got to him in the end with Durant going down and then Clay going down right after in that, that Toronto championship year. But it seemed like the big four, Draymond, Steph, Durant, Curry, they just weren't likable. Like you, did, yeah. you just hated them because of this. Now they feel like they're a little likable, like Clay, Draymond, Steph, all over 30. They're like Steph and Curry's in every commercial that could possibly be run during these telecasts, CarMax and Subway and whatever. Um, <laughs> is this a is this a likable Warriors team now? I mean, they seem like the wily veterans. I think so. so uh, the hot shot, cocky, uh, young, young guns. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think like, you know, when, when they had Kevin Durant, I think they were hateable because they stacked the deck to the perverse extent that they did, which was only made possible from this, you know, fluky one-time salary cap spike that, you know, happened to coincide when Kevin Durant was a free agent. So boom, there we go. And that, you know, took out any suspense really for most of that three-year tenure that he was in Golden State. Like, you know, if he, if he and Clay didn't get hurt, they very well might've just won that one too and done a full three-peat. So now, you know, like absence made the heart grow fonder with the Warriors potentially. Like you missed seeing Steph doing Steph things in the playoffs. I think, you know, Clay, especially knowing the, the number and the severity of injuries that he had over the past few years, seeing him ball out on this stage again has just been really fun. And he's just, and overall, one of the most likable guys in the NBA. I think, you know, Draymond is obviously very opinionated, but I, I think he's often fair. <laughs> yeah, sure. But like, he's, you know, he, he's harsh, but fair. So uh, yeah. I think, you know, we, we've gotten to see that side of him more with his work uh, with Turner Sports. He's got his podcast now. So like seeing the more human side of him instead of just this like brash trash talker has been, you know, at least it makes you appreciate him more as well. And then right. uh, seeing the other, like Jordan Poole has just been so good in this series in particular, shooting 61 from the floor, 41 from three. Kavan Looney, who is no yeah. one would have penciled him in as an X factor in the series. And like, he might be the Western Conference Finals MVP for all we know. So it's it's just been cool to see them after the couple of years where they were lost in the wilderness, get right back to this stage. And frankly, as a Philly guy, I hate both Boston and Miami. So whoever wins the East, I hope the Warriors smoke them in the finals. <laughs> yeah, no, that, the, Looney's been one of the bigger surprises of this playoffs for me. Um, yeah. Him, him and I, I would say Andrew Wiggins, like Andrew Wiggins yeah. has been turned into a, a really good role player for them. And he's a, he's a great fit for the, the Warriors kind of free flowing offensive motion system they have going on. I don't know if it was like 
the the long game in terms of what their GM was doing in terms of trading for D'Angelo Russell and then knowing full well that Minnesota would do anything to get mm-hmm. D'Angelo Russell from them because because you look back at it like D'Angelo Russell is not a fit for this team like he no. never was and he never yeah. was going to be <laughs> so yeah. I mean maybe it was just like hey we gotta take this step to get to you know the the ultimate step of another NBA title but Wiggins yeah. has been awesome and I'm not just talking about like the posterizing dunk against Luca the other night. Oh, <laughs> like God. he's been great and I I would I, I hesitate to say worthy of a number one pick but I mean he might be like Canada's best basketball player at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's been a nice redemption for him, given all it that has. he went through. And yeah, you're right. It, it was smart asset management. Like that was the KD D'Angelo Russell double sign and trade. And, you know, right. better to get something for KD than nothing. So maybe they knew D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns were good friends. Like Minnesota was had been after him for a while. So yeah, maybe you knew like, all right, we, you know, look down the road and we can get Wiggins and something else. And it turned out that something else was the pick that they used on Jonathan Kuminga, who looks like he's going to be a monster in a couple of years. So it, right. this, this Warriors team, like they, they are just, you know, the, the horror villain that is just never going to die. Like you think they are, I know. think you killed them and nope, oh, oh, nope, they, they are back. Here we go. Just They're chasing like- you down. <laughs> <laughs> right. It always seems like they have these role players that come through like the, you know, the golden era was Sean Livingston's and Andre Iguodala's yeah. of the world. And now it's Kuminga and Looney and, you know, Jordan Poole was obviously taken the next step this year. But even guy like before he had injured Otto Porter Jr. played some nice yeah. minutes for them this playoffs. And it just seems like give this guy GM of the year. I don't know who their GM is off the top of my head. You, you probably know, but Bob Myers, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, he's, he's done a fantastic job of not only surrounding their superstars in Curry and Thompson with these role players, but just in terms of you're right, asset management and in terms of being relevant in, in, in the title hunt year after year and restocking and role players. And like, he's just been, he's just done a fantastic job at doing that. They're a wagon, they're a train. Like it doesn't seem like anyone can stop them. And, and obviously they're, they are going to wrap up the series here tonight. I think they're up, they're up big right now, currently just before halftime. But um, I, I don't know. Is there anyone can, that can stop them in the East? Let's shoot over to the East. Heat Celtics. Celtics looking like they're going to finish this series with all the Heat injuries. Uh, the, uh, can the Celtics stop the Warriors if that's the ends, ends up being the finals matchup? It, it seems to me in terms of just roster construction, they can go head to head with them pretty well. They have great scoring in Tatum and Brown. Obviously, they have great role players and Horford and Peyton Pritchard's come on and it's out of nowhere. I don't know where he came from. I know where he came from, but he just seems like kind of the every man point guard that doesn't make an impact and is just out there to not turn over the ball, but he's been really good. Can the, can the Celtics match up with this Warriors team? I think if fully healthy, they can. Like if they were fully healthy going into this series, I would probably lean Boston over Golden State. The question is... How close to fully healthy are they going to be after this heat series with, as you mentioned, like Tatum's arm is hanging by a string and, you know, smart suffered the ankle injury that like you thought he was out for the playoffs and he came back three minutes later too, but he's, he, he does not look a hundred percent Robert Williams. You know, missed game three with the knee injury, and he's been in and out of the lineup all playoffs because of that. So that has me a little bit nervous, but I mean, the Celtics defense, when they are on, there is nothing quite like them in the league. And, you know, really dating back to like the end of January, the Celtics have been the best team in the NBA for like at now the past four months. 
all of the evidence was there staring us in the face. And it was just their inconsistent start that was hard to get over. But the addition of Derek White was big for them. You know, he's not not a great shooter by any means, but another savvy defender. So like, you feel very good about their top eight. And yeah, Grant Williams has been one of the revelations of the playoffs, especially against Milwaukee and Giannis being an incredible defender against him. So, you know, between Smart, Tatum, Brown, Williams, Derek White, they have a ton of guys that they can throw at Steph, Clay, Jordan Poole. They've got the size to potentially negate Looney, especially on the offensive class. Like they match up well. It's it's just all going to come do, down to health. Yeah. Derek White has stepped up pretty nicely this series for Smart's injuries. But my question to you is, does this feel like the same team they ran back? They ran with like three years ago, minus Kyrie. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, I, it's honestly, like Tatum, Smart, Horford, <laughs> Jalen Brown, yeah, Daniel like, Tice. Like This is the same team, right? Yeah. <laughs> it, uh, it didn't work then. Why is it working now? <laughs> a lot of the key figures. Well, I mean, Brown and Tatum are older, have gotten a lot more experience. Right. So smart, too. Like, you know, even Horford, like maybe the two years off in OKC and effectively Philly, like maybe that gave him some extra juice in his legs because he's been great in the series too yeah fountain of youth like l l horford he came alive in that milwaukee series but it feels like he's like the smartest player on the court at all times so like, yeah he yeah. knows he's not the the most uh you know the most physically gifted anymore he might be a step slower but the way he plays the game is he just has such a feel for it he's had that ever you know his whole career but now that he's older and you know his his prime years are behind him it seems like he just He's added another level of intellect in terms of how he plays the game that that makes him still a, a completely viable player out there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it annoys me having watched that wasted year in Philly. It feels like he was <laughs> yeah. a Celtic sleeper agent the whole time, but I'm, I'm genuinely right. happy for him because it's, it's great to see him thriving on the stage again. So you're, you're a Philly fan. Um, Incredibly. that's safe to say, right. You're from, <laughs> yeah, yeah. From, from Philly originally. And yeah, I, I am tasked with covering them for Forbes. Do you, uh, do you still trust the process? <laughs> yeah, yeah, honestly, like if okay. not for that, it was, if not for that, they wouldn't have Joel Embiid. It's, you know, it's not Sam Hankey's fault that he got usurped halfway through. Right. Uh, like they, they just made so many mistakes after starting with hiring the Colangelos and overthrowing him. And then literally like the next four years, it's hard to find something they did right. So <laughs> Maury is left to clean up his predecessor's mistakes, much like Hinky was with his. Is yeah, Maury too attached to James Harden? Like he has to just take him we'll, everywhere. We'll goes. find out. We'll find out in a month. What what are you what do you the 76ers do? I mean, you have I, I think he should have been MVP in Joel Embiid. Mm -hmm. Uh he was he was absolutely incredible this year. But yeah, the, the Harden thing was half a year, maybe the chemistry or they they didn't get in sync or you know what whatever something wasn't there because Harden just didn't look right throughout this playoffs. Maybe, maybe he did look right. Maybe this is what James Harden is now. Maybe he's not the Houston Rockets James Harden that he's practically a triple double guy every game and he's scoring 35 a game and is this gonna work in philly you being a sixers fan and covering them <laughs> i i think it all depends on what his next contract is which is what i was joking about find out in the month but like really it's not <laughs> entirely a joke because i mean if he i've written about this in forbes i like broke down his potential contract options but the long yeah. story is uh you know if he picks up the player option it's going to really limit 
their flexibility. Otherwise, they'll have the taxpayer mid-level exception and then a bunch of vendor minimum deals. They have to replace Danny Green, who suffered the ACL and LCL tear in that he game stinks. six loss. Yeah, <laughs> a huge bummer for him. Um, you know, his contract is fully non-guaranteed for next season. So I'm assuming the Sixers are going to waive him. So, you know, if if Harden takes a little bit less, which he hinted that he would be willing to do, and I think the smart play would be, you know, for the Sixers and for Harden, just agree on total years, total amount of dollars, and then tell, you know, James can tell Daryl, like, you do it however you want. I don't care. It's all the same money to me. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> get him in at like 40 million next year instead of 46, 47. All of a sudden you have a non-taxpayer mid-level you have the biannual exception, which is 4.1 million. So a lot of contenders are, are way over the tax already. You're going to be way over the apron. So they're, they're only going to have the taxpayer mid-level. So it's like the Raptors, the Heat, think the Bulls, uh, the Sixers mm-hmm. will, could have the full non-taxpayer. So like they might get first crack at, Whoever, like TJ Warren is, you know, one guy I'm keeping an eye on who hasn't played a lot in the last two years, but could fill a void for this team. Um, you know, there was amazing in the bubble. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, the health issues or health questions, I think will, you know, I, I don't know. I have no idea what he might get in free agency, but I, I think they need to, if anything, these playoffs have underscored, you know, how important two-way wings are. And the Sixers have zero of them or one of them. If you want to put Tobias Harris in that category, which I, I don't really. So, <laughs> yeah. So that's, um, that should be their focus. Like I do think the Harden thing can work still. Like I, I know he's not going to be Houston Harden and Embiid said that after game six, but the way he sets the table for his teammates and the way that Embiid commands double teams, I think that actually gives the Sixers a luxury in roster building that a lot of other teams don't have in that, you know, you're not going to find a Jalen Brown or a Jimmy Butler or a Jason Tatum or a Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, whoever for $10 million in free agency, right? Like TJ Warren is the best case scenario in that regard, but they don't necessarily need that. Like maybe they just need more Dorian Finney-Smith types who are just going to just stand at the corner, hit threes, play good defense, and we can sign you for $5 million. Great. Like that's, that's the type, that's the archetype that I think they need to go after this summer. Yeah. I'm just worried about like on the court, it can work. I'm worried off the court. I'm worried about that relationship sure. between Embiid and, and Harden because it just seems like wherever James Harden goes, he doesn't seem to mesh well with, yeah. with anyone at this point. And Embiid, Embiid's obviously, you know, an alpha type of personality. You know, that, that that's that's my biggest concern if I was a Sixers fan. Is it, is it going to work from a relationship standpoint with those two? Yeah, and I think it's a fair concern because like, I mean, Harden just very clearly checked out as soon as the going got tough in the playoffs. Yep. And, absolutely. you know, Embiid is playing with like a broken face and a busted thumb. And he's still struggling to like fighting through triple teams, despite that and seeing James Harden, you know, half acid on defense. Like if, if that happens again next year, I think, you know, the, the honeymoon's Explosion. over already, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, like it, it could get messy. Yeah. I think it's nice that they did find another score in Tyrese Maxey this year. Cause yes. I think he can be a very good player for them. Yeah, um, he, but he saved their outlook completely. Yeah, absolutely. Back to the, the, the Celtics though. I mean, it's yeah. the only team in terms of like offensive and defensive efficiency, which I think was in the top five, I think in both 
if I'm saying that, I think I remember that stat correctly. Um, at least the top 10. I mean, you're, mm-hmm. you're right. In terms of teams that on paper can match up extremely well with the Warriors, the Celtics have to be in, especially if the Heat can somehow advance and, and get out of this series and get to the, the finals. I just don't see them. They're great defensively. I just don't see mm-hmm. their offensive capability um, matching what the Warriors can bring. Uh, Jimmy Butler is clearly hurt and he was fantastic um, this playoffs and especially against the Sixers. I think he he really took his offensive game to another level, but it just seems like he's he's not right. And I look at the, the roster of the Heat and it, it screams to me that guys who are getting paid a lot of money are underperforming. Bam is when he's on is a feels like a game changing kind of player with his length and athleticism and just his versatility and scoring. He can score inside and outside, but he's extremely inconsistent to me. And I think it's shown. And then you got a guy like Duncan Robinson coming off the bench who's yeah. getting paid a lot of money to not play. <laughs> like, um, yeah. and, and Tyler Hero's inconsistent. If if the Heat somehow make it out of this conference finals into the into the NBA finals, do they have enough to beat the Warriors? I don't think so, especially in the state that they're in. Like Kyle Lowry is very clearly not right as well. Yep. And I mean, that was the concern about the Heat going into the playoffs was their half court offense and seeing them like barely score 60 points through three quarters in game <laughs> right. five is like, oh, well, this is all right. We we knew what we were talking about here. So yeah, I, I think, you know, the combination of Looney and Draymond can probably neutralize Bam. Draymond and Wiggins can neutralize Jimmy and that's it. Like that's, you know, with like Vincent and Max Struess and Caleb Martin can all get hot from three. So can Robinson. So can Tyler hero, but Robinson can't play because he's going to get targeted. And, you know, Steph and clay and pool that like the warriors have the personnel to target him every single time right. he's on the floor. So yeah, like I think Boston, even if they're banged up, is still going to put up a pretty good fight against Golden State. Warriors Heat feels like it'd be over in five. <laughs> that does feel that does feel like it'd be a short series, and I don't think Adam Silver wants that with how many blowouts there've been. This no, playoffs. no, he wants it, a six game. Celtics for sure. (laughs) And I, and that's seems like what what we're headed to here. So uh, if that's the case, who, who would you take warriors or Celtic, man? It's it's just so like, I (laughs) want to say the Celtics, like, I think the Celtics are the better team, but I just don't know. I I don't know if they're going to be healthy and the warriors are going to have home court. So I, I say I, I lean the Warriors with the caveat that if Jason Tatum and Smart have like five days to heal up and like suddenly look like themselves again, I, I do think the, the Celtics could beat them. Yeah, and that's completely fair. And, and I wonder if, you know, I if starting the double big lineup against Golden State either plays right into their hands or maybe that's the play and maybe it forces them to you know stray away from this the the pool plus curry thompson wiggins draymond lineup but i think you know the celtics have the personnel with smart white tatum brown and then either horford or time lord they can counter that as well so i like i think the cool thing is both both rosters are super versatile i think both coaches are great and have proved throughout the playoffs they're willing to you know experiment on the fly so you know uh, again it's like health i just want these two teams to be healthy because i think this could be a really good series if they are 
Yeah. Ime Aduk has been, I mean, he's done an amazing job his first year with the Celtics. Um, I, I don't know if you're a little bitter because he came from the D'Antoni Sixers coaching tree. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. should he be the coach? Should he be the coach of the Sixers? Do you feel? Yeah, probably. <laughs> so, yeah. Ty Lue probably should. They're, 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 you can go down the list. Right. So the NBA playoffs, I, I, despite the blowouts, I think has been great. Whether even if it is blowouts, you, you're seeing new faces, new stars, Luca, Tatum, guys. Uh, you know, Giannis when when the Bucks, you know, before they lost Chris Middleton, it all kind of fell apart for him mm-hmm. <laughs> in terms of secondary scoring. But I, I I get joy out of it, no matter if it's a blood or you know down to the wire. So, um, but before we go, uh, Brian, we've taken up enough of your time, I think, tonight and uh, had some hiccups technically, and I appreciate you sticking with us through that all nba draft the magic won the lottery who would be your pick to go number one i honestly don't know but i feel like i was thinking about this earlier if i'm the magic i'm trying to sniff out who okc wants at one and i'm just gonna bluff and say i'm taking that player because i would try to okc has two 12 30 this year they have right 17 first round picks in the next five drafts (laughs) like you should try to extract like whoever you want just smoke screen away pretend you don't want that player see if you can extract something extra do what the celtics did in 2017 with tatum you know they got the sixers to trade up for faults they got their guy at in tatum at number three who they said if they stayed at one they would have taken them so that that would be my play if i'm magic i don't care who you want just figure like figure out if the guy you want is the same guy okay is he wants if not Try to get something extra and still yeah. get the guy you want. I, I think that's the safe way because you're right. OKC has so many draft picks and they've done a great job in terms of you know stocking up on draft capital and and probably building around Shea, Gilders Alexander, and yeah, I, th- I think they're they're set up for for the long haul here very well with all that that draft stock. But um, it seems like the consensus or the early indication is. The Magic are going to go with Chet Holmgren, <laughs> which would scare me to death if I was a Magic fan. <laughs> the man is listed at seven feet, one ninety-five. Like I said, Jim, there's only Jalen Brunson six one. There's no way Chet Holmgren is one ninety-five. That man is a string. Those are my <laughs> words. Those are Kevin O'Connor's words from The Ringer. <laughs> he looks like skin and bones. Like if you looked up skin and bones in the dictionary, you wouldn't even see a picture of Chet. That's how skinny he is because it would be invisible. <laughs> um, yeah. If, if Chet is 195, like I'm Dwayne the Rock Johnson, like tell me why Chet <laughs> should, should be the number one pick. I mean, he's got the the skill set, the versatile skill set that you want out of a, a modern day big man. He can shoot. He can. He's a great shot blocker. He can defend out to the perimeter. He's got the height to if he does put on like 80 pounds to actually bang in the post at some point. <laughs> Um, but you're right. I mean, yeah, the, the weight is certainly the big concern, especially early on, he's going to have to play more on the perimeter. Um, you know, the good thing for the magic, like they're, they're just lurking, but they have a ton of young talent already, like between Cole Anthony, Suggs, Franz Wagner, Wendell Carter, Jr. I'm going to guess that since they're in line to take a big Mo Bamba is probably going to leave in free agency this off season. Like Jonathan Isaac, if he comes back healthy at some point, he's just, he's lurking there as well. So they might not need like, you know, 35 plus minutes per game from whoever they take at number one, right off the bat, which right. is, you know, a, a pretty rare for a team in line for that type of a draft pick. So I think 
you know, that could at least help. Like if they do go Chet and he is just way too skinny to play, you know, 35 plus minutes right away, then okay, you got Wendell Carter there. Like you might not necessarily need him to, or Wendell can play the five and Chet can play the four and as he bulks up. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, again, my, my play would just be, you know, get, get more. If the guy that you want, you think he'll be there too, try to move down and get, get more stuff. Yeah. I mean, the, the magic have, I think the weirdest roster construction I've ever seen in my life. It's, it's just, it seems like a bunch of, uh, it's just throwing darts and seeing what sticks. It seems like a bunch yeah. of guys who on, you know, playoff teams would be fourth, fifth options. You mentioned, you mentioned a bunch of them, Cole, Anthony, Mo Bamba, um, Markel Fultz as well. Um, Jonathan Isaac, um, I think is a very good score, but guys like Gary Harris and Terrence Ross, it, it just seems like they're they're throwing darts and whoever sticks, it doesn't seem like they have any formidable plan or vision or anything. But with the number one pick, that could change. I wouldn't take Chet in my mind. I close my eyes and I, I picture him going against Joel Embiid and just Joel eating him alive. <laughs> <pretty> <laughs> right. Much. Like, right. It, it, it would scares me to death. Like Joel Embiid would, if, if for superhero fans out there, when like Batman got his back broken, like Joel yeah, Embiid would yeah. do, that to, <laughs> do that to Chet Holmgren. Just <laughs> like, stuff him in a basket. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like it's Space Jam. He's just like blowing him up in a ball and using right. him to right. slam dunk. I like <laughs> that. Uh, okay, see, because like. they've got Poku as well. I, I liked whoever said, you know, they're trying to get the, the thin towers in OKC if, if Holmgren the thin goes towers. Too, so. Yeah. I think they're trying to take uh, the Slim Reaper name away from Duran and give it to Duran. Yeah, um, there we go. There we go. But if, if I was a Magic, like, I see Jabari Smith there from Auburn. And, yeah, you know, he, he might not be Kevin Durant, but I think you know he's going to be solid. Maybe his ceiling isn't as high, but his floor is so much higher than Chet at this point, I, th- I think, coming into the draft. He, I was looking at the Ringer mock draft earlier, and he's compared to two-way Richard Lewis. And I'm like, wow, that sounds amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like Richard Lewis uh, was, was great in the day. I'm looking at here, taller Harrison Barnes, like Harrison Barnes can give you 15 and eight every night. Like, you know, if, they, if that's what you get from your, your top three pick, I, I would take that and, you know, and, and let other guys like Suggs and Fultz, if he comes back and Isaac, if he comes back healthy shine in terms of the scoring department, but He's uh, Jabari Smith's got a great jump shot. He's dog on defense. I, I I think that's the safer pick, but there's a lot of hype with Chet because him and Suggs played on the same uh, it was a high right. school team or AU team or whatever. Yeah. So uh, I think that's where the early uh, lean towards Chet is coming from. But that's all I have, Brian. Again, thank you so much, man, for all the time tonight. I appreciate it. Love talking NBA. We like I said, we don't get a lot of chance to talk NBA here in Buffalo. So and, and to have you on and, and your knowledge was which a, a great treat so i appreciate you coming on uh we always like to tell our guests uh, we hope you didn't have a funny time or a good time we hope you had a witty time but brian <laughs> plug plug away everything you do um for the listeners of this show and where they yeah, can find you you can find my writing at forbes sports i cover mostly the sixers but also some salary cap stuff so i'll have plenty on the draft and free agency especially over the next month uh my podcast with the nba podcast co-hosted with morton jensen you can find it wherever podcasts are found we cover the whole league so again we'll have we've done you know, off-season post-mortems for every team that's been knocked out so far. We'll have a couple more to do probably in the next couple of days. We'll do finals preview, draft free agency, all that good stuff. We go go year-round, so please check that out. Um, and, yeah, thank you for having me on. Happy to come on anytime, man. This is fun. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, this you're welcome witty. back. 
Yes. Perfect. See, see you <laughs> catch on quickly. <laughs> Our guest. <learned. laughs> no, it was awesome, man. We appreciate you. Welcome back anytime. Like I said, it, it, I don't know if the bills play the Eagles this year, but have me back on in football season. I won't be nearly as rational then. Ah, okay. We'll have to, we'll have to have like a little bet. Like uh, what, what's, a, <laughs> what's a Philly delicacy? We'll, we'll trade you wings for <laughs> something. A cheesesteak or a pretzel. Cheesesteak, those right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, those sound good to me. <laughs> cheesesteak versus wings. We'll, we'll have a bet on it. <laughs> thank you, Brian. Thank you so much again, man. Uh, always welcome back. And, uh, you know, at listeners, check out everything Brian is doing. If you are interested in the NBA finals. If you've been watching the NBA playoffs, Brian is a great source. His show is awesome. Uh, check it out. Uh, and we'll, we'll link him up on Twitter as well for, for everyone. So check out Brian, Brian. Thank you, my man. Appreciate the time tonight. Of course. Anytime, man. Talk to you soon. And we're back once again. Thank you to our guest, Brian Toporek. Check him out. Everything he's doing, the NBA pod show, Bleacher Report, Forbes. The man has quite the resume, knows his stuff. Great to talk some NBA with him. Hope you NBA fans out there enjoyed it because I know a lot of Buffalo sports podcasts don't talk NBA. So we're trying to give you something different here, but thank you to him for jump, jumping on the show and uh, talking some NBA with us. Thank you to our sponsor, Traveling Growler, www.travelinggrowler.com. Koozies starting at just $5. Check out all the cool designs they have for you. T-shirt store, T-E-E, spring.com. Check out all the designs we have in the t-shirt store. Hoodies, sweatshirts, crewnecks, tanks. This, the weather's getting nicer. You can get a tank, but uh, support the podcast, buy a t-shirt. Cheap. They're a good talking point. If you want to be the talk of the town at your next Bill's party or next viewing party, get a witty, not funny t-shirt because uh, there, there are some good designs. Uh, I, I have to say that I'm obligated to. It's in my contract. So teespring.com, search witty, not funny, all one word. Where to find the podcast? You can find the podcast on the Built in Buffalo podcast network at Built in Buffalo underscore on Twitter, uh, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you're finding podcasts, listen to for free. Search Witty Not Funny, all one word. If you like us, leave us a review, subscribe, show us some love. Uh, we always like to say whether you give us two minutes or two hours of your time, we greatly appreciate it. Tony, Twitter handles, where can listeners find you? At Tony J. Ambrose or at Tony Ambrose. Or either or on, do both on Twitter. Yeah, you can do follow both. both. Follow both. They Don't follow my burner account because you're not going to like it. Or the or any of the other eight burner accounts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> follow the real one. You can find the podcast at Witty Sports 716 on Twitter, on Instagram, Witty Not Funny Sports on TikTok, Facebook page. Check us out. Give us a follow everywhere to keep up to date with everything we are doing and join the Witty Nation. And of course, follow Built in Buffalo at Built in Buffalo underscore in their Facebook page and Twitter and Instagram, whatever else they're doing, because they're doing everything. And we're happy to be part of that family, of course, and all the great content creators as well, part of Built in Buffalo. Tony, send off for the listeners. What do you have? My send off. Uh, Greg Abbott, go fuck yourself. <laughs> nice. I like it. Uh, I can't say anything better myself. So. <laughs> How about Ted Cruz? Uh, go fuck yourself. Oh, that's another one. Good one. We're really <laughs> letting our political <laughs> side shine here. Um, Matt Greco, but, go. F- oh, well, listeners, if anyone would like to co-host this episode, this podcast <laughs> next week, send your resumes to www. <laughs> no, well, well, well said. And I'll, I'll leave it at that because I share those sentiments as well. But I will say go Bills as always and stay witty out there, everyone. Thanks for listening. Peace. Bye. Bye.
Moshon is a fresher breath there. He just loved chain restaurants. Matter of fact, he ate at Applebee's 12 times during the bye week. I love eating it. Most of you guys. That really is still swollen, isn't it? It's a little swollen. It kind of looks like a football, actually. Thank you for that. The stitching, you got it. Thank you. Hey, D, I like donuts, baby. Let's go. Uh, stay focused. Um, work hard in school. You might not like school, but make sure you're working hard at school. It feels a problem. It feels a problem. It's your boy DM3, and you're listening to the Witty Not Funny Sports Podcast on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network.